You're listening to the MaritimeGardening.com podcast, episode six. Okay, thanks for joining us for episode six of the MaritimeGardening.com podcast. And uh, once again, I'm connected up with Greg. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing very good. Awesome. So I think before we get into the uh, the gardening discussion, where this is somewhat related, um, I gather you've had some run-ins with a couple ticks in the last little while. Yeah, I went on a fishing trip this weekend, an overnighter type deal, mm-hmm. and uh, the next morning when I was having my coffee by the fire, I felt a little tickle on my sleeve. I rolled back my sleeve and there was a tick, and then it was, you know, quick to take off everything. <laughs> strip, everywhere. strip. Yes, very yeah. uh, best. It does exactly what you want to do when you're with yeah. your buddies. Yeah, yeah, and, for sure, for sure. <laughs> anyway, my buddy saw one on my. I, I don't. It was almost like a blind spot in your body. It was like, I guess, at the back of where a love handle would be. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like that that area back yeah. of the rib cage, or I don't know what that's called. Yeah, yeah. Sort of kidney. Yeah. Kidney punch area. It was, it was going for the kidney. <laughs> it's going for the kidney punch. Yeah. Uh, and he was on there. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, and I, I, I guess it's a river I fish a lot of times, but mm-hmm. my friend was with me, and he's not an avid angler, and he didn't have hip waders. I normally hip use right. my hip waders in that river. It's not right. too deep, so right. it's very rare that you have to get out of the river with uh, the hip waders. You can you can usually walk a few kilometers in either direction just just by staying in the river. Yeah. So I guess I, that's why I don't typically get ticks. Yeah, because you're not in the bushes. And... Uh, but I didn't wear my hip waders because he didn't have a pair. I didn't because it's pretty. I don't know if you've ever gone fishing with someone with hip waders, but yeah. if you don't have them, you feel like a total loser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been there. I've been there. Done. It's that. just like you're like running around, you know. Especially if the bank is steep, you're like Tarzaning it from yes. branches and stuff. And so that's what you were doing. You're getting soakers because you're trying to. They obviously have the better yeah. deal being down by the water. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was trying to, you know, sort of. Show some solidarity. Yeah, you were being the nice guy. And I kept telling him, like, I had rubber boots that are slippery. Mm-hmm. And I had put, uh, I got this, like, 1960s super deet stuff that I've got on, you know, eBay years ago. That yeah, I it's still, been banned. It's like, it's like banned in nine, 90% of the countries. Tiny little bottle, one ounce. I've had it for mm-hmm. over 10 years. It's, it's just like infinite. It's like magic. It never <laughs> runs out. Yeah, well, that now it will. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I ruined it. Yeah. Uh, and I had that rubbed all over my pants, and I had like high, slippery boots. And my friend, by contrast, had sort of like a, a boot that had a, a material that would be easy for a tick to grab onto. And I kept telling him because I'm the expert. Well, try to stay away from you know where it's obvious the deer have been walking along the edge of the river. Yeah. But if you have ever walked along the edge of the river, that's the only place you can walk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the only part that's navigable. Uh, other than being in the river. So we are, we're following the river. We've got about, uh, let's say, four kilometers of fishing to do before we get back to the camp. And uh, trying to stay as close to the river as possible, but sometimes you're forced onto the deer trails, which is it tends to be, you're a human, they're the biggest thing around. Well, there's been other things that are big, I suppose. Yeah. But um, tend to follow, if you, anyone that spends a lot of time in the woods, not on man-made trails, um, you're following deer trails for the most part. Um, I've followed bear trails before, but you tend to tend to end up facing a bear den. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's that a little unnerving. Like a thing. That uh, I did like that good. once. It's a whole other story. Yeah. But it's like, oh, that's a big hole. Oh my god, I'm out of here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I'm telling my friend, who's you know doesn't do this as often as me. You know, be careful. There's deer. T- you know, the, the, the ticks tend to be on the deer trails. Blah 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 blah. Especially the long grass. And of course, we're going through. And the more tired you get, the least you care, mm-hmm. right? And by the you know, we we probably spent five hours, you know, humping through the bush like that, back and forth, trying to get casts off. We're just spin yeah. fishing because he doesn't fly fish. Yeah. Yeah, so when we got back to the camp, and, and we got back to the camp, we didn't even think about it. You know, I took a quick look around. It was the next morning after sleeping yeah. with, with the ticks all night, God knows. <laughs> um, so I had that one on me. And, of course, I really haven't read it. I've had them on me before, and mm-hmm. I've used the same technique, which since since then I've read about this, and this is not what you're supposed to do. Right. Yeah, we'll so talk about that in a minute. I, uh, I saw the tick on me. I want to get it out of me. He was saying, you know, oh, I think you're supposed to save that or you're supposed to leave it on and get your doctor to uh, take it off. And I was like, it's coming off now. <laughs> um, so I, I did something I think, and this is like what everybody does. You do something you think your dad told you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I took a Bic lighter and I mm-hmm. held it to the tick until it looked like it was, you know, in a really bad situation. <laughs> and I thought it would leave. Like I thought it would back yeah. off. Yeah, no. And I held the lighter to it and it just hung on. It just, it just went for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just it just died for it, um, so it was still on there even though it was probably dead. And at this point, I probably weakened my skin. Yeah, uh, yeah. So then I just pulled it out and threw it in the fire again. Yeah, yeah, uh, so. yeah. I know when when you told me about that, I said, "Man, ha- have you listened to any of the Maritime Outdoorsman? I know you've listened to some of them, but these were way back. These were back in 2013 and." Episode five and six of the Maritime Outdoorsman, uh, I talked about ticks because I ended up coming across uh, a lady named Catherine Maroon who uh, did a, a fishing TV show, and she contracted Lyme disease uh, while she was away somewhere from a tick, and her—I mean, her life is, has been drastically altered for the worse and anyway you can you can listen to that on episode five of the maritime outdoorsman and then episode six i i was so kind of uh involved and you know it was it was consuming me you know this thought of all these ticks around lyme disease and really nobody knows anything about it that's what it seems like right and um so then i got in touch with uh vet lloyd from uh, mount a in new brunswick and she studies ticks, so I have since sent her a couple ticks. So if you do get another one, or anybody listening um, gets a tick or has one on them, you should try and save it, put it in a Ziploc bag, put it in the freezer or something, and then mail it off to her. And she can actually test it and get back to you and tell you if, in fact, that particular tick had Lyme disease or not. Um, so that's that's kind of neat. But yeah, so well, I guess the the good thing is you got the ticks off. Well, no, because uh, yeah, yesterday, so th- this was like a Friday, Saturday overnight type thing. Mm-hmm. I got back here Saturday afternoon, came home, took off all my clothes, took a shower, put the clothes in the washing machine, perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I was out driving yesterday in my truck and I felt something weird and I've still got that, uh, you know, you oh, yeah, on you. You, you get the heebie-jeebies for about three or four days, yep. and then you start calming down when you hear a little, when you feel an itch. You just realize it's an itch, and it's yeah. not 
you know, a parasite that's yeah. trying to give you a life-altering disease. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I rolled up my sleeve driving my truck, and there's a tick in my – I'm like, oh, oh. So it must have come off and just been waiting on my the seat of my truck to get me, I guess. Yeah. Was it Was it biting? It was looking – it was in the same place where I had one on me. Wow. Um, well, no, it was on my arm. Yeah. It was, it was looking around, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know how it got there, but yeah, no, uh, they're there. I'll tell you what. There's few things that I like less than ticks. I've still got that. Like I'm, I'm sitting here talking to you, yeah, and I've still got that. You're like looking around. Yeah, Greg's anything. sitting there with no clothes on, checking everywhere. <laughs> yeah, no, but <laughs> but the 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 thing is, I mean, especially down here where I am on the so shore, and I assume it's the same situation in New Brunswick. Uh, there's so many around now, and I mean they're moving northward. Um, that, you know, a lot of people just kind of brush them off as, oh yeah, I'm used to those, whatever. But as Vet talks about in episode six of the, uh, the Maritime Outdoorsman, the ticks are changing, you know, the, the, the bad ticks are overpowering the good tick or good, I don't know if there is such a thing as a good tick, but you know, they're overpowering and, and, uh, I know down in my area, there's a high concentration of the one of the little black legged ticks with Lyme disease, and these things are small. Like, yes. like people don't realize. Yeah, you know, you, you can see the regular size ticks. I assume they were the normal size, larger ticks that you found on you, because the small ones are, you know, no bigger than the the head of some pins. Yeah, this, these were like uh, flaxseed. You know, oh. now, that's analogous. I would give it. So the that shape- is small. The shape of a flower. Well, flaxseed is quite, uh, yeah. I don't know, maybe they were bigger. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me freaked out here. But, yeah. uh, I'm <laughs> so, pretty sure they weren't black leg ticks, yeah. although all, all the pictures I've seen of black leg ticks, I've never seen one with black legs. Yeah. Um, the, the, the illustrations that are out there and everything are, are not that great, but all I can say is anybody listening or everybody, you know, if you do find one, they say to use tweezers. And go right down onto their, you know, their head or their snout where that where they're poking you, and try and pull them out that way. And I've had luck doing that with my son. He had a couple on him in the last few years, and I pulled them off that way. And they come right out. And uh, I put, like I say, I put them in a Ziploc bag, froze them, killed them, and shipped them off to vet in New Brunswick. And she got back saying, you know, they didn't have Lyme disease, but they do have other bacteria and stuff. So, anyway. Good idea to be cautious, and Vet actually contracted it. She got her tick on her while she was gardening, so that's how it all kind of relates to what we're talking about. Because Man. all you got to do is be outside. I mean, yes, yeah, I mean it's important to keep your your grass cut short, and yeah. that's probably the best thing you can do is to just keep everything mowed and short. If you're, I mean, in my garden, I don't have any grass. It's just mm. all between the garden beds. It's just wood chips. Yeah, um, yeah. because for that, I don't. Number one, I don't want to mow it. Yeah. That's just, you know, I don't, my garden's supposed to be relaxing, not labor intensive. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, there's another good reason for mulch. Another, another beautiful thing about mulch, ticks, ticks like grass, you know. Yeah, yeah, they uh, do. Grass and some kind, I've noticed there's some kinds of, like heather is very ticky. Yeah. Other kinds of bush is not such a problem. I don't really understand yeah. that. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, certainly don't use the technique. From what, from what I read about holding a lighter or a cigarette butt or whatever to the uh, yeah. tick, they they kind of barf their guts up into you. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's exactly what that's exactly what I've heard, and that's yeah. So hopefully, Greg, you want that in you. <laughs> you're gonna be fine, but it but we'll keep we'll keep in touch with Greg, and 
if he starts getting weird symptoms or he starts talking funny, I'll uh, I'll I'll make sure he goes to the doctor. The only symptom I seem to have right now is a burn from a Bic lighter. <laughs> <laughs> so there's perhaps another reason not to use that approach. Maybe yeah. it cauterized. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Let's, they should let's have heated a knife so. up like they do in the old westerns for bullet wounds. Yeah, and uh, stick it in. Man, that would have been that would have been kind of macho. Yeah, but you probably would have got infected from that. It also would have taken the temper out of the knife. Yeah, it'd be terrible. <laughs> um. So back to gardening. <laughs> this the gardening content of this show. I guess will be a little shorter than normal, but that's okay because we get all kinds of episodes coming. Cool. I, I just noticed that a, a, a listener question slipped by the cracks from uh, episode four, the mulching episode. This this came in. Uh, so, yeah, I noticed that uh, we've got a message here from George Davies. He's obviously in Prince Edward Island by his email address. And George says, how does seaweed work for mulch? I'm worried about the salt content, but I also use the seaweed for banking the house so maybe the salt gets rinsed out. Yeah, I don't use seaweed because I don't have a, a handy. Like I would have to drive. Mm. I'm very gas conscious, so I yeah. would have to drive about 20 minutes each way to get it. Yeah. Um, whereas I've got other, I've got other resources, uh, fertilizer resources that are closer to me, so I mm. use them. There's a there's a, um, a stable very close to me, so that's right. I just use that to save the gas. Yeah. Everybody I know that uses seaweed swears by it yeah they think it's the greatest thing in the world okay. and i've never heard anyone talk about oh all that salt killed my garden so right i don't know if they i mean i think a safe thing would be if you've got the seaweed to, to put it on your just put it you know spread it out on your driveway or your lawn or something like mm. that uh, before a good rain yeah let it rinse off yeah. but even if it's been if it's been pushed up on the shore from by the ocean and it's if it's rained above the tide line for right. a day it must get most of that rained out of it anyway yeah gotcha no that's good that's good advice all right yeah. so hopefully so, george that uh that helps answer that question for you and thanks for submitting it so what are we going to talk about today greg in 10 to 15 minutes yeah we're going to today we're going to talk about two of my favorite things to plant beans and potatoes mm. i didn't start planting them when i started gardening when i first got into gardening i'd always plant things that were really expensive basil tomatoes peppers and they're all hard to grow, and you have varying degrees of success, especially peppers are really hard to grow, mm. and uh, basil won't grow until it's nice and warm outside, and uh, tomatoes can get blight. There's all kinds of, I think we'll probably have to do an episode, uh, or yeah. at least mention uh, strategies for tomatoes, maybe next episode, mm -hmm. to prevent, there's, there's things you can do to prevent blight, but blight will just destroy your whole tomato plant. Um, but if you want to have success, you know, if you want to... Prepare a garden's place, put something in it that you don't have to do anything to. The only mm -hmm. thing you have to do when you got potatoes and beans is eat them. Uh, <laughs> nice. You plant a potato, you walk away. Yeah. Walk away, come back in two months, potatoes. Nice. And beans, it's pretty much the same thing. Walk away. You know, if you've got a mulch down, they're going to get all the water they need. And in about a month or so, you're going to have beans. And depending on the kind of bean you grow, you're going to have um, lots of beans. Mm. So first, let's talk about why you'd want to grow these things. Beans are easy to grow. You'll get a lot of them. They're, they're really good for you. You know, if you go on, I'm on the United States Department of Agriculture um, National Nutrient Database. That's mm -hmm. about as official resources I could find yeah. on this sort of thing. And I mean, you look at the minerals. 
calcium, iron, magnesium, phosphorus, potassium, you know, and very, to varying degrees. I mean, the big winner with, with a potato is the potassium. Right. Um, but you still have lots of other, you know, you're not getting 100% of your daily amount, but you're getting a little bit of all kinds of things, right? All these different trace amounts of things. It's not just, potatoes get a really bad rap. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, my God, if you've got 100 grams of potato, it's, you've got 63 grams of water. Yeah. So, I mean, it's 60% it's water. Mm. Water's not bad. <laughs> and, you know, so, I mean, over half of it's water and about a third of it is, is carbohydrate. Yeah. And you've just got all these vitamins and minerals and nutrients, you know, just sort of trace amounts of things, even, even calcium, right? Mm -hmm. um, so a potato's quite good for you. It's just bad for you if you're, you know, loading it up with sour cream and butter and all this other stuff, which, Yum. which I do. <laughs> <laughs> all that stuff that makes it taste good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's all a question of, yeah. of proportion, right? Right, right. Um, so I'll leave that up to anyone in their judgment. But sure. I mean, they're not a not healthy food. They're, they, were, they were just talking about a study on CBC Radio and they were saying people with potatoes in their diet have this much more risk of this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, well, show me the stats. How yeah. are they eating them? What were they yeah. eating? Like, is this people that go to McDonald's every day and eat <laughs> their potatoes at McDonald's? Yeah, deep fried. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, sure. But, yeah. you know, what's, what's the... Uh, did they control for extraneous factors in the study? Or they just make an association because mm. if you look at the nutritional value of the potato, it's mostly water. It's got a bit of starch, and it's got all these vitamins and minerals in it. Mm -hmm. So that's not bad. No, um, that's all good stuff. Yeah. So potato is great. Same with uh, a bean. Whether you're eating, I mean, beans are very different. If you're eating them, what they call a snap bean, which is when you eat the bean when it's a green bean. Mm -hmm. um, some, I guess in the old days they call them string beans. Or if you're going to save the bean and, you know, cook the uh, the actual seed part of the, the, just the bean part, like when you have cooked baked beans, baked right? Baked beans, yeah. That's a very different thing. That's way more, that's got way more fiber and protein in it because you're eating seeds. Yeah. Whereas if you're eating the, the, the casing, you've got all the different sort of sure. vitamins and minerals that go in that. Sure. But the yeah. beans, very healthy. Yeah. And both these things really lend themselves to preserving. Right. Mm -hmm. If you have a potato, I mean, if you preserve it by taking it out of the ground and putting it somewhere cool and leaving it there until you want to eat it. Yeah. You can, to the extent that you can just leave it there until next spring and put it in the ground and grow more potatoes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you have like, you could conceivably buy one bag of potatoes, seed potatoes, and never buy them again. Because hmm. um, you can just keep saving them as seeds and replanting them. Nice. And uh, a bean's got the same sort of beauty. I mean, you can... The green beans, you can pickle them, you can also blanch them and freeze them and put them in your freezer, or you can just let them grow until they're really big and take the seeds out and save the seeds and just use those for, depending on the variety, there's lots of different varieties of beans, and some are better suited to that. They have a better flavor as a dried bean. Mm -hmm. um, so and it's it's labor intensive, but it's the sort of thing you do when you're just, I mean, we all watch television, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So that's the sort of thing you can go. You're taking the seeds out of the pod. You just, you know, you just sit down and put a pile of newspaper around or a blanket and just sit there and take them all out of the pods. And you know, in about an hour, you know, instead of just sitting there eating uh, pork rinds or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you could fill out. You know, you can put aside a bunch of uh, food for the winter, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you can, yeah, and those seeds, you can plant them the next year, huh. right? So, I mean, it's a very wonderful plant, very healthy, very mm -hmm. sustainable, easy to grow and very easy to preserve. And I actually really like uh, pickled, pickled beans and there's different ways to do it. I probably, probably do a show on pickling. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, I really like them. Yeah. And there's so many varieties of beans. They have different kinds of flavors. They're just a wonderful uh, thing to plant. It's always mm. good to play with different varieties. And uh, so there's the benefits and those are the reasons to grow them. So now a uh, short conversation on how to be successful at it. They're very easy to grow and there's just a few things you got to know to do a really good job of it. And these are the things I've sort of discovered over time by just trying and failing, trying different things, reading a lot about it, watching a lot of YouTube content. I guess before I start, if you watch a lot of stuff on YouTube, they're all talking about growing potatoes in containers. Okay. And I don't understand, like, I can understand why you'd grow something in a container if you didn't have a lawn or you didn't have land or you didn't want to, but I couldn't think of a more backwards approach like if you if you have an apartment and you, you want to grow them on your deck or something yeah. like that sure, sure. Um, that's one more thing too sorry before i get started one more reason to grow potatoes and something that changed my mind i never grew them because you can buy 50 pounds of potatoes for like 16 dollars yeah so i was always thinking well what What's a waste point? of space you know i yeah. can grow something expensive and really tasty there but the thing is that the potatoes you buy in the store they have been grown for shelf life, for their ability to be transported so they won't bruise, mm-hmm. for their ability to take being ha- hammered with Roundup and all these other things, you know, and still taste reasonably good with all this garbage they put in the soil. They're an industrial product. Yeah. They, those varieties have not been chosen for their flavor and their texture and just their, their compatibility with the human mouth <laughs> and the human body. Um, I'm telling you, if you go to a uh, garden supply place and you go to the plate you you don't plant the potatoes you get in the grocery store you go to a place like i get mine in halifax seed yeah i get it yeah you you buy bags of seed potatoes and they have all these different varieties there Canabac, red chieftain norland there's all kinds of different ones and um, if it's a good place they'll tell you how long they take to mature what their sort of shape is and whether they're good for storing whether they're good for french fries whether they're good for you know, mashed yeah. potatoes or roasting or whatever. I tend to like the ones that are good for roasting because that's my yeah. favorite way. Yeah, those are good. Um, and and some of them come in really early. Like mm-hmm. the Nor the Norlands are really early, and they're they're my favorite. They're the best tasting potato. Of course, I haven't tasted every kind, so maybe right. they're not. But they're right. really good. They're yeah. like a red potato, and they're white on the inside, and they just have this nice. fantastic flavor. But the flavor of a potato you've grown yourself in decent soil. I mean, I almost go through a depression in, in January when, or February when my potatoes – I have a goal to never have to buy potatoes again. I haven't got there yet. I just yeah. haven't planted enough in a given season. Uh, I want to buy grow so many potatoes that I don't have to buy them anymore because when I run out of my potatoes and I have to start eating the store ones, it's just not the same. No. That's the other thing. When you've got good flavorful potatoes, your need to hammer them with – I mean, I, I still put butter and stuff like that on my potatoes, yeah. but your need, you won't want to put as much because the potato will have all these minerals and vitamins in it, and your mouth is just going to say, oh, thank you. Enough flavor on their own. Oh, it's a whole different world. So they're yeah. totally worth growing, even if you just put one bed aside for them or even half a bed. Just to, mm. you know, plant, you know, if you're not sure about this, plant a couple this year. Yeah. Just to see. Yeah. Because that's what happened with me. I just, I had a garden bed. It was a bit late. I didn't know what to do. And that year, I, I literally had some old store-bought potatoes that had gone kind of wonky. So I just threw them in the ground. Yeah. And when the potatoes came out, and I picked them in, I think, October, they were so good. Hmm. Um, I couldn't get over how good they were. They were way better than the ones I bought. 
just because they'd been sort of grown in decent soil, right? Yeah. Um, so then the next year I bought these different varieties at Halifax Seed and tried different things and I couldn't get over how good those ones were. So like this year I've, I've bought a bag of Yukon Gold. I've bought those at the store but I've never grown them myself. So I'm hoping that when they're growing in my soil with all the micro mm. mycorrhiza and all the sort of healthy stuff in the soil that I'll get a really good tasting potato there. Getting hungry right now. Yes, well, you can't beat potatoes. Anyway, let's talk about how to grow these things. Yeah, yeah. So since I've been talking about potatoes anyway, I was going, I was starting a rant on growing them in containers. Grow them in containers if you've got nothing, you've got no space. But if you've got ground, I mean, to grow them in a, a container, you've got to take good soil from somewhere mm-hmm. and put it in the container. Yeah. And then when the potatoes are all done growing, that soil isn't good anymore. Right. Because <laughs> it hasn't been in contact with other microorganisms. Everything else, yeah. You've created this little sort of laboratory environment, almost like, it's like the difference between a zoo and a forest, Yeah, right? Those potatoes would be going growing in a little potato zoo. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever been to like a zoo, but yeah. I wouldn't want to be one of those animals. No. Um, no. So, you know, and the heat in there, like a lot, of, I don't know how worms do in there, but they right. could die. You know, it's just not, yeah. you want to grow them in healthy soil and healthy soil is in the ground. So, and then that's it. If you don't have access to that, sure, grow them in a container, whatever. So, potatoes, how to grow them. It's a perfect thing to do if you're going to start a new gardening bed mm-hmm. and you don't want to go too crazy because you can literally, like, just pick out an area. You don't even need a box to just pick out an area. Uh, if there's grass, mow the grass really short, throw some newspaper over the grass, throw some manure. I'm talking like two or three inches of manure over the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Throw the potatoes down, maybe one every foot, you know, yeah. like in a grid. Yeah. Whole. Don't cut them up. A lot of these places tell you to cut them up, you know, cut them in one or two pieces and then set them in a window for three days to, right. to callisa. Don't do that. Leave them whole because each of those potatoes is going to have that much more vitality. Mm. It's, it might seem like you, know, you might seem like you're not going to get as many plants because you're, you know, you could have got three potato plants out of one, one potato. Yeah. But you're going to get a much bigger potato plant out of that one potato. Yeah. And it's going to be really, really healthy because you haven't broken the skin or anything like that. So that's what I do. But anyway, you put your potatoes down. Then you put a little soil on top of that. And then you cover it with, I like to use hay. I'm talking like two feet of hay. Just cover it with hay and mm. walk away. And after about, you know, two or three weeks, if the temperature's right, You'll just start seeing these green things come out of the uh, out of the hay. These green leaves, mm. and the potatoes are just growing there, and they'll be totally fine. Another way is to, if you've got soil already, and if you've got a garden bed already, just dig down a bit. Like dig down until the soil isn't soft anymore, right? right. So when I planted mine, I went down about a foot. I dug down a foot, stuck them in the ground, filled it back in. I put some mm-hmm. mulch on top of that, and I walked away. Mm-hmm. And the way my father did it, I don't know how deep he would have planted them, but he would plant them and he'd be hilling them up all summer long. Like every couple of weeks, he'd be using a hoe to like put more soil up around the sides. Yeah. You have to do that because if the potato pops out of the soil and it gets exposed, it turns to this green color and tastes uh, okay. bitter and awful. Yeah. Yeah. But if you plant them down deep like that and just let them come up on their own and have a mulch in the top, they won't pop through the surface. If there's a mulch, the reason they pop through the surface is because the soil won't lift. If they mm-hmm. start pushing, you know, get so many potatoes in the soil and they start pushing up, the soil just moves away and the potato comes out. Yeah. But if you've got mulch, the mulch just lifts up and keeps the sun off the potatoes. For some reason, a potato cannot be exposed to the sun while it's growing. It becomes mm-hmm. toxic. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so use a mulch and go, you know, you can go as heavy as you want with the mulch. The potato will push through. Yeah. Um, it'll even grow in the mulch. Like that's why I like to use, instead of using wood chips for potatoes, I like to use straw because it's, if, especially if it's been in a horse stable, it's got tons of nutrients in it. Yeah. It holds moisture like crazy and it pushes out of the way, pushes up, mm. pushes sideways. It's just, and you can get it for next to nothing. Cool. So that's uh, potato. For beans, you're going to make a choice between bush beans or pole beans. And that's all a question of, of where you're growing them and how you're growing them and whether you want to try to train them up a trellis. Mm-hmm. And also how soon you want them. So when you grow bush beans, they all come in in a very short amount of time. They, they, they mature quicker, so you're going to get your beans sooner. But the plant bears all its beans and then it dies. Hmm. So you're going to have no beans. And then you, let's say you plant a 4 by 10 bed of green beans that are bush beans. Yeah. You're going to have no beans, no beans, no beans. And then at some point in July, you're going to have a bowl, like a, a popcorn bowl of beans every two days. You're going to have a lot of beans for a couple of weeks. Hmm. And then you're going to have none. Hmm. So you're going to be overwhelmed with all these beans. And you're going you're to be eating them like crazy and doing whatever you're pickling them or whatever. And then they're done. So what I like to do is I like to have some bush beans because they come in sooner. And I like to have pole beans because pole beans come in a bit later. And they just keep producing until it gets too cold for them. So they keep producing until September, October, whenever the frost starts hitting them. Mm-hmm. So it's good to have both so that you've got sort of a steady supply. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're, they're going to be different varieties as well. Mm. But the main thing is that when your beans are producing, and that's the other thing, a beautiful thing about beans – they not only do well in poor soils, if you have a garden bed that, let's say you had a garden bed that didn't do well last year. Well, you can fill it full of manure and try to bring it back up with nutrients like that. Or you can just plant beans in it. They won't mind if the soil was, isn't uh, particularly rich in nitrogen. Mm-hmm. Beans, in fact, their, uh, their roots capture nitrogen and fix it in the soil. So it's a way to, a bean is like a fertilizer for your soil. Okay. So if you've got a poor soil, you got a little garden bed or an area that didn't do well last year, let's say you tried to grow a green there and it just wasn't the kind of result you're used to getting with a green instead of putting some manure in it, which is a great thing to do, but it, let's say for whatever reason you don't have time or whatever, just make that your bean garden. Yeah. And those beans will bring the nitrogen back up. They don't really take a lot out of the soil. I don't know. They seem to just improve the soil. It's like, so it's always good, like, you know, when you're rotating, we're going to do an episode on rotating gardens, but it's always good to have beans find their way through a garden. Hmm. Potatoes are similar for another reason. Potatoes put out so many roots that, you know, after you've picked the potatoes out, all this fibrous stuff stays in the soil. Yeah. Almost like a peat moss. Right. Potatoes also don't mind a bit of acidic soil. So if you've got a garden bed that for whatever reason, sometimes if your garden's not having very good results, it could be just that the soil's gone a bit acidic. So you can lime it to bring the you know pH back up. But the other thing you do is just plant something that loves acid in there, like a potato. Because potatoes mm. don't mind acidic soil at all. I'm sure you can't have a pH of two or something, but right. don't mind six. Yeah. No problem, right? Yeah. Probably don't. I'm pretty sure they don't even mind five. So with the beans, if you're going to have bush beans, there's nothing to do. You just stick them in the ground, cover them over, you know, water them a couple times, and once the, you know put a put a mulch down, they'll push through a mulch. If, you know, an inch thick mulch, they'll have no problem going through that at all, mm-hmm. and they're going to take care of themselves. And you just pick them. If it's a pole bean, you need some sort of trellis. If you've got a fence near your garden, you plant your pole beans near the fence. They'll just climb the fence. Mm-hmm. 
if you don't have a fence, um, just like I was talking about for making that hoop house, that concrete wire remesh, you, know, you can get a sheet for $10, 4 by 10 that is a great trellis for beans. Okay. Just a quick, you know, if, you, if your garden's 4 by 10 and you just erect one of those, which is an eight, 4 by 8 sheet, that's going to be fine. Yeah. Or there, there's other things you can do. You can maybe I'll give you some pictures of different kinds of trellises you can do for beans. Some pole beans, depending on if you, you live in the valley, you can have beans. I, when I lived in the valley, I had beans that would grow eight feet high. Mm-hmm. Right, like you just go crazy the height of these things because it just it's so warm there, and uh, the season goes into October, and you can train these things. The pole beans will grow really, really high. Yeah. So that's the advantage of uh, pole beans that they're. Um, yeah, that's yeah. what I always remember. That's what I always remember my uh, my grandparents growing. That's right. Yeah. Um, now, a quick note about saving seeds. Uh, pole beans, you know, if you've got one plant that seems to be producing really well, it's a really phenomenal plant, my approach to saving any kind of seed is you, you, you save the best. Mm-hmm. So when I dig up a small area where there's potatoes been growing, the biggest ones, best-looking potatoes, the ones you want to eat, mm-hmm. I put those aside. Yeah, yeah. And I eat the sort of pathetic little ones. Yeah. Because if you keep saving the biggest ones and keep putting them back the next year, that potato is the fuel for the plant that's going to grow next year. So the bigger the potato, the better the fuel. Mm-hmm. Also, if it's a big potato, it obviously came from a plant that, you know, what its parent was a healthy parent. Yeah. Because it was big and healthy. Everything was good. Right. So that's your best. So you're going to, you want to start with your best next year. You don't want to start with your worst. Gotcha. It's it's a thing you have to fight against, you know, your own sort of instinct. Well, you, these ones were sort of no good. I don't want to eat them, so I'll save those as seeds. But you're putting the worst back. Mm. So mm-hmm. it's it's uh, that's the logic of it. And same with beans, your your sort of best plant that grew the fastest, the most vigorous, and so on and so forth. Those are the seeds you want. And that's the other thing when you're harvesting your bean plants. If you're harvesting them as snap beans, you know, beans you're going to cook, whether you're going to steam them or you know, I don't. I wouldn't boil them if I were you. But um, you can eat them raw. You can sauté them. You can mm-hmm. steam them. You can. I guess my parents would boil them. But if you look at the numbers on uh, uh, the nutritional website, uh, mm-hmm. you really lose a lot when you boil a bean. Right. Yeah. <laughs> a lot better off uh, yeah. just uh, cooking it really, eating it raw. Or I mean, I prefer them cooked. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you sauté them light for like saute or something. Two minutes. Yeah. You know, like you toss them around a little bit. You, Put a splash of water and you put a lid on and you leave it for like two minutes. That's yeah. all you got to do. That changes the flavor yeah. dramatically. Yeah. So there we cool. are. Beets and potatoes. You really can't uh, go wrong. You can't go wrong with yeah. those plants. If you want to plant something, that's you know. I know it's we're getting into it's it's early June, and uh, if you want to plant something that's going to look great, it's going to be big and it's going to be. You're just going to walk away. Yeah. yeah. And not have to worry about it that much. It, they're also very pretty pesters, especially potatoes. I mean, potatoes are part of the nightshade family, so you can even plant them. If you've got a deer problem, mm-hmm. deer aren't going to eat your potato greens. No. Because <laughs> no. they're poison. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing I do with potatoes, which is a great trick. If you've got a a compost area, I don't, I don't buy those plastic compost bins. I just got s- sort of like uh, one cubic yard stations. Mm-hmm. I guess they, they have to take a picture, but they look like boxes. Yeah. And um, I gather my compost. Every fall, I take all the compost in my compost bin and throw it on my top of my gardens, and I fill those compost bins back up with manure. I can't put compost out because i got bears and things like that here. Right. 
So in the spring, I've got these three giant boxes full of, you know, aged manure that are just going to sit there until November. Mm-hmm. So I stick potatoes in them. Yeah. Because the deer aren't going to eat them. Yeah. And uh, I'm just using that space to grow something that's deer and porcupine proof. Gotcha. So, yeah, if you've got a compost bin and it's just going to sit there until next year, throw some potatoes about a foot deep in it mm. and you're going to have, you know, when you, <laughs> it's, it's a good time to empty your compost bin in the fall. Yeah. Uh, so in the fall, that's when you, you turn over, it's sort of a ritual. You turn over your compost and you get all these extra potatoes that you wouldn't have, you know, mm. for, you buy a, I think you can get five pounds of potatoes for about six bucks. You can get 10 pounds for about 10 bucks. Yeah. Uh, and if you grow 10 pounds and your soil is really healthy, you should, if you have 10 pounds of potato, you should get 10 potatoes per potato if you've got really healthy soil. Yeah. So imagine that. You've got 10 pounds of potatoes, you get 100 pounds back. Wow. You know, if, you, if your results are mediocre, maybe you buy 10 pounds and get 50 pounds back. You get five potatoes per potato. That's still pretty good. Yeah. So uh, Awesome, awesome. Beans and potatoes. Potatoes, you can't go wrong. All right. Well, I think that does it for this one, Greg. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and uh, we will see you on Episode 7. Great. But before we go, I just want to say, if you enjoy this show, and I'm assuming you do, if you're already at Episode 6 with us and you're tuning in throughout the whole episode, please take a minute and leave us a positive comment on our website, maritimegardening.com. Also, another way that you can really help us out is to share our posts on our Facebook page. So we make posts every time there's a new episode. You can go to Maritime Gardening on Facebook and just share our updates and our posts there. That will help get the word out, get more listeners. And finally, if you're listening using an app like iTunes or Stitcher or some other podcasting app, if you're able to leave a good rating for the show, that will also help us out. So once again, we really appreciate you tuning in, listening, spreading the good word. We're having fun producing this show. We're looking forward to making many more episodes, many more seasons. For today's show notes, you can go to maritimegardening.com slash 006. And also, as you noticed on this episode and the last one, we have featured uh, listeners' questions. So if you have a particular gardening-related question that you want to ask Greg, by all means, you can do that. You can post a comment on our website, on our Facebook page, or even on our website, there's a voicemail button. You can scroll down and find that on the right-hand side, and you can leave us a voicemail question up to 90 seconds, and we can then feature that right on the show. So anyway, again, thanks for listening. Take care. Have a great day, and best of luck with your gardening.